Mark 16, verse 15, and he, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said unto them, watch what Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be or should be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, and these signs, everybody say these signs. These signs shall follow or come after them that believe. Now, this is the third time we've seen Jesus use this word or a form of this word just in these two verses. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they... Who's talking here? Who's talking here? Jesus. Jesus. In my name, so in Jesus' name, shall they cast out devils. They sh- These are the signs that will follow believers. In his name, they'll cast out devils. In his name, they shall speak with new tongues or tongues they have not learned, languages they have not learned. They shall speak with new tongues, verse 18. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall, who's they? Believers. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they, the sick, shall recover. Is it the word of the Lord? Jesus said it. There will be evidence for every believer. Jesus said, these signs shall follow. Jesus did not say, these signs might follow some believers. Did he? These signs shall follow. That's a clear and certain declarative statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be evidence for every believer. I I can feel some of you already. I I get it. You want to hold on? I'm a believer. Right? The word is clear. And don't check out on me because I'm not telling you you're not a believer. I am telling you what the word of the Lord says. And the word of the Lord is these signs shall follow them that believe. If you and I are truly a believer, these signs will follow us. Now, Jesus said, 
He that believeth. He that believeth not. These signs will follow the belief. I know we got that point. Believe what? You got to start there. Believe what? He wouldn't just say, well, I believe grass is green. Therefore, I'm a believer. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about, right? We got to know what he's talking about that we must believe. He's talking about believing something. And so I think it's important before we jump to the signs that are going to follow that we understand what he's saying we believe. Is it fair to say that that matters? What I believe and what you believe matters. And then once I know what I should believe, believing it matters. And once I believe it, the signs will follow. And the evidence matters. You with me? We can read over these verses and go, I believe. Well, what do you believe? Got to believe what Jesus is talking about here. We don't have time to go through all of it. This is the 16th chapter of one book. But we understand clearly, if you were to go back, and we're not going to do it for the sake of time, but if you go back and just read the 16th chapter, you read of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You read of Jesus being seen by those after he resurrected. And here in these verses, he's talking to the 11 after he appeared to them after his resurrection. And what he first did, if you were to read it there in verse 14, when he appeared to them after his resurrection, he didn't go, oh, it's wonderful to see you. Aren't you thrilled to see me? But you read it in verse 14. What he did is he, the scripture uses the word, he upbraided, there it is, he upbraided them with their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they believed not. See, now you're getting context for what you should believe. What did they not believe? They did not believe that he had risen from the dead. Oh, they believed it after they saw him. But their unwillingness to believe this truth, even though he had told them it would happen, their unwillingness to believe this truth was affecting their ability to operate in the power of his spirit that he intended them to operate in. So he said to them after the, after upbraiding them with their unbelief and their hardness of heart, what was their hardness of heart? I'll tell you what it was. It was human reasoning. Human logic. Carnal thinking. This is why the apostle Paul said, the carnal mind is enmity with God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. My human reasoning and human intellect will never be subject to the law of God. It's enmity. That word enmity means it opposes. My human thinking opposes the law of God. And so Jesus upbraided the eleven because of their hardness of heart. When I was a kid... My pastor, Brother Thornton, used to always say, I don't know how a, a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk, but I know it works. I heard him say that once. I heard him say it a thousand times, it seems like. I don't know how. 
I can't explain to you in the natural how someone believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and thereby choosing to go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I can't explain in the natural how that causes the effectual working eternal blood of the Lord Jesus to be applied to a body and their sins to be remitted all in the past and all in the future and repentance to be ever available to whereby those sins are remitted just from passing through the waters in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't explain that in the natural. But in my spirit, I know it to be true. I believe it with every fiber of my being. Why? Because I believe he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and he reigns forevermore. I believe. If I try to explain that to you in the natural, I will fail miserably. If you try to comprehend the working power of God in the natural, your logic will war against it. And the adversary will feed your carnal mind so that you will no longer believe. He that cometh to God, Hebrews chapter 11, I think verse 6, maybe verse 8, or maybe right between them. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know why some of you don't? Some people don't believe that. You know how you know they don't believe that? Because they don't diligently seek Him. Our actions reveal our belief. Our actions reveal our belief. This is why James said on more than one occasion in his short writing... Faith without works is dead. Oh, what do you mean? I got faith. If there's no action following your faith, your faith is dead, James said. If you have faith for something, you act. I've used it so many times. It's like my pastor with the brown cow and green grass and white milk. Some of y'all are tired of it. You heard it. You can repeat it in your sleep. But it's just so simple and so true that it just bears repeating again and again. And I've heard some of you use it on your own. And so that's good. I believe and you believe. You believe this water quenches thirst. Anybody believe, raise your hand if you believe water quenches thirst. Please look at that. We got a room full of believers. I believe this quenches thirst. I can stand here until the cows come home. We'll see. I can stand here till the cows come. Believing. Believe. I believe, sisters tonight. I believe it will quench my thirst. I can believe until I'm blue in the face and until I die of dehydration. I can believe until I die of dehydration because believing it does nothing if my belief isn't followed by action. My action reveals what I believe. I believe it and therefore. Simple, I know. I took the lid off because I believe. I put it to my lips because I believe. I turned it up and poured it into my mouth because I believe. Belief is followed by an action. That's what James was talking about when he said, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You'll recognize I have faith by what I do. 
right? Jesus is walking on the water, the storm. There's waves everywhere. Jesus is walking on the water. And the, the disciples are on the boat, a perfectly good boat, I might remind you. They're on a boat in the middle of the water, and it's going crazy, and they're fearing for their life. They're so afraid. They think it's a spirit coming on the water. They think it's the spirit of death going to take their lives. They're afraid for their life, the Bible lets us know. And then they hear. They can't even see. They can't discern with their eyes because the storm is so bad. But they hear the voice, and they say, that's the voice of Jesus. Peter, though, because he can't see, decides to test his faith a little bit. Peter says, Lord, if that's you. Now, he heard the voice. He was pretty sure it was a voice, but remember, there's a storm. In storms, the voice can be a little, it's competing with other noise. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Couldn't see him enough to know it was him. Storms will do that. And Jesus says, come. Now, Peter could have said, okay, Lord. By your spirit, reach over here and lift me out of this boat and surf me over there to you. Oh, no. Peter had faith. And you know what faith did? Acted. Don't you know? I just, I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. Just because they're human. Don't you know those other 11 are going, oh, Peter. Again, always so crazy and zealous to just dive into stuff. What is it? Baby? Oh, come. And then there, and I, I imagine this is my imagination. I'm not trying to add to scripture. I'm just imagining they were human. We forget people were human. This really happened. I imagine those other 11, right? They're still in the storm too. And they're going, is, You think he's really going to step out? Can you imagine Peter going? And they're like, Oh my. And they're watching, and he stepped out of the boat. You know what I figured? Then I figured at that point, the other eleven going, "Man, I wish I'd have done that." <laughs> you ever watch somebody step out in faith, and fear restricts you so you don't, and then you see something happen, you're like, "Oh, why didn't I?" You know what? The Lord does some things. Let some people step into avenues and veins of faith just to strengthen your faith. He lets you witness it. And the next time you go, if that happens again, I'm stepping. Peter stepped out. Faith was followed by action. He could have said, Lord, I believe, but the boat's working okay right now. Faith is followed by action. What you believe. What you believe. And so these signs will follow them that believe. We read those things. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They drink a deadly thing. It won't harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. So why do we not see all of these things? Don't overthink it. He's not a God. He's not a man or he's God. He's not a man that he can lie. So is his word true? Okay, so so we don't doubt the truth of the word. Amen.
So the word's true. So why don't we see it? I can only come to one conclusion from the word. I mean, you can fill in, make up some reason, excuse. I've been there, done that. When I read the word, there's only one thing I can come up with that tells me why I'm not seeing it. Belief. Now, look, you're, you're going through what I'm going through. I believe. I've wrestled with this. I've prayed about this. I've cried out about this. I believe. I've got evidence in my life, experiences in my life where I've seen it. I've seen the sick healed. I've prayed a prayer of faith and watched it happen. But I don't see it as much as I'm ready to and as much as I'm getting ready to. But the issue is belief. Belief what? Belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was God manifested in the flesh. He came and he dwelt among us and God manifested in the flesh. This isn't just some story from a book that we hold in high regard. This is a truth of man's history. This is a truth beyond man's history. This is an eternal truth from everlasting to everlasting that the God that framed the world by the uttered word chose to wrap himself in flesh and come and dwell among us. Chose to suffer and bleed and die on a cross. Chose to be buried in a tomb for three days. And rose again victorious on the third day. Having conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. This is not just a neat story to share on Easter. This is the truth of the word of God. And I believe it with everything in my body. Everything in my spirit. I believe. I believe, I believe that very same God that declared those words, let there be light, was light. That very same one came and dwelt and robed himself in flesh and became the light that lighteth every man that entereth into the world. I believe it with everything in me, Brother Lewis. I believe that that very same Jesus that was God manifest in the flesh said it's expedient for you that I go away. But if I go away, I shall come again. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The comforter which the Father will send in my name, he will comfort you. He said, I am with you, Jesus did, but I shall be in you. He went on to say in the same chapter, the comforter is the Holy Ghost which the Father will send in my name. I believe that when I'm repentant of my sins, that is the equivalent of me dying to myself the same way the Lord Jesus died at Calvary. Not a physical death, but a death to my own will, my own way. That's true repentance. Lord, I used to do all the stuff I wanted to do for my flesh that violated your word and was not pleasing to you. But I repent in the fear of God. And in true repentance, I died to my will. I believe that when I do that and then I obey the word of God and I go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, which is equivalent to the burial of Christ. We know that from Romans and Colossians. Paul declared we are buried with Christ through baptism, that we also should walk in newness of life. I believe that the death of Christ and the burial of Christ is applied to my life through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And when I'm baptized in Jesus' name, all of my sins are washed away. And I can stand and say, I am without sin. 
Not because I'm good. Oh, no. Not because I've earned anything. Oh, no. But because I believe the unfallible, infallible word of God. And that when I was baptized in Jesus' name, my sins were washed away. I wasn't baptized in the titles of Jesus. I was baptized in the name of Jesus. When Jesus said in Mark 28, 19, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't giving some baptismal formula to use titles. The disciples fully understood what he was saying. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. Those are simply titles given to the name. The disciples didn't hear him wrong and then goof it up throughout all of their actions. See, faith is followed by actions. The book of Acts is called the Acts or the actions of the apostles. What did the apostles do who heard him themselves? Eyewitnesses heard him say those words. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. They baptized people. And every time they baptized them, they baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You mean all those disciples deliberately disobeyed the command of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 28 to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? No, they didn't disobey. They fully obeyed. They understood the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. They simply fulfilled what He instructed them to do. You say, well, what if I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Praise God. You acted in faith on what you knew. But now you know the Word of God. And so you must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Read Acts 19. They said, what do we do? These were believers. Acts 10, Acts 19. These were believers. In Acts 19, they had already been baptized. But when they heard Paul preaching Christ... They were baptized again, but this time in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 10 was believers, men that were prayerful, faithful, giving. But when they heard the word of God and heard the message that Peter preached of Christ and him crucified and rising again, they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says the Jews that were with Peter knew that they received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with other tongues. And then when they did... The Bible says that Peter commanded them. Read it, Acts chapter 10, verse 46, 47, 48. Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I believe. I believe. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. How do I show I believe? Action. You say, hold on a minute. You're talking about works. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about works. I didn't do anything to earn remission of sins. I didn't do anything to earn the gift of the Holy Ghost. I just simply acted in obedience to my faith. I didn't earn it. Did I have someone baptize me in water in the name of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Did I earn that right? No. It's not a work. I simply responded in faith to what I believed. That's why Jesus said in Mark where we read, He that believeth and is baptized. Shall we say, I responded to what I believe. I affirmed my belief with action. Now, that wasn't all in the notes. I got to hurry up. Watch. 
Watch. So why don't we see these things? Belief. I didn't like that answer any more than you do. But I couldn't come to any other conclusion. I tried to find some other answer. Isn't that terrible? I want answers. If it's in the book, I want it in my life. I've read the book of Acts probably more than 50 times. Probably a whole lot more than that. I just don't want to over-exaggerate. But at least, I'm sure, 50 times in my life. One time, the Lord had me read it 14 times in a row. I kept going back to it. He's like, read it again, read it again, read it again. I, I believe it. But, Brother Joel, I'm tired of just reading about it. What I read tells me I'm meant to walk in it. And if I'm not walking in it in the fullness that I see, I first have to start with belief. These signs shall follow them that believe. And so, and you're, I, I, I'm not trying to belabor a point. I'm walking you through what I've wrestled with and what I'm sure as I'm talking about it, some of you are sort of wrestling with now. We're wrestling a little bit together, not against each other, but we sometimes the thing of the word we have to wrestle through, not to resist it, but to come to an understanding to get this carnal man out of the way that I might hear with my spirit what the word is telling me. And so I've wrestled through these. See, I don't want to give an answer that pacifies my conscience. I want to know what the word of God says. I want to excuse myself for something I should be walking in. I want to know what the word of God says. I realize some of it's timing. I get that. Peter and John had passed the man at the gate beautiful multiple times before they got to Acts chapter 3. How do I know that? Because Acts 3 says somebody laid him there daily. Peter and John were good practicing Jews. They went to the temple daily. They passed him before. So clearly timing comes into play. It was a timing thing. But they saw it happen. They did it. Just felt a little. Some of you have passed people. And in your thoughts, you thought, man, I'd like to just lay hands on them and pray and see their. And you see them periodically. And the thoughts come. I'm not talking about somebody in church. I'm talking about somebody at work or in the path of life that you take. You thought, man, I'd, I'm telling you, timing's here. These signs are followed. But I couldn't just satisfy and appease my conscience and spirit with timing. Because I know there's times I've missed it. So belief. So the more I begin digging. I, you ever tell God what he doesn't know? You know what I'm talking about, right? You got to tell God some stuff. You know he knows, but you feel like you got to tell him. Just make sure he knows. I'm telling Lord, I believe. You know I believe. You know I believe. I believe your word. I have faith. I felt your spirit. I, I believe. So if I want answers, I got to go to the word. I got to pray and go to the word. Pray and go to the word. And so here's where I come. There are, and I have never, to my knowledge, ever taught this before, but here we are. There are depths and dimensions of belief. Hang with me just a few more minutes. I'm going to show you in the word. There are depths and dimensions of belief. 
See, we want the we want the real quick surface level or just underneath the surface depth and dimension of belief. It's what I just talked about. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. I believe in repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, at one point, the Apostle Paul said, we should not go back and lay again the foundations of repentance, baptism and repentance. He wasn't kicking out repentance. He just said, hey, those are the foundations. You've got to move on a little bit. You've got to get a little deeper. There are depths, and I'm going to show you in the Word. Don't check out on me. There are depths and dimensions of belief. And this is why we don't always yet see these signs following. Anybody have some beliefs you hold too strongly? Raise your hand. You have some strong. Any type. Yeah. Like I got some strong beliefs, right? Okay. Good. You know, like I believe you should start most days with a cup of coffee. I have a pretty strong belief about that. Now you have a right not to believe that. Okay. Right. We have, I use that example. It's a little lighthearted, but I want to show you, we have beliefs, beliefs in the word. And we also have beliefs in our life. Okay. We have beliefs we hold to and our beliefs are followed by action. I got up this morning and made a cup of coffee. Belief. Okay. And so we all have beliefs. Beliefs are born. I'm sure out of multiple things. I don't think this is an exhaustive study here or an exhaustive teaching. Matter of fact, I think we're probably just getting started in this, but we've got to see what we read in Mark 15, what Jesus told us we would see following us. We got to see that. We should be walking in that. The book of Acts is what we are. We should be living and walking in the book of Acts, the actions of the apostles, the actions of the disciples. It wasn't just the actions of the apostles, by the way. That's what it's called. But you read a little further, and there were more than apostles doing that stuff. Stephen was a table server, and he was doing miracles. They were believers. The signs were following the believers. Now, most of us in the room that believe, we have spoken with new tongues. So we're like, ooh, I got one on the list. I'm okay. And I'm just going to tell you, I got no intention of going out and grabbing serpents anytime. I don't think that's what the scripture's talking about. I don't think we're supposed to go, oh, let me test my belief. Let me see if I can find a rattlesnake up in their hills and just, no, that's stupidity. Don't tempt the Lord. But we saw the Apostle Paul when he ended up on the aisle after he was shipwrecked and they were building a fire and they threw some sticks on the fire and a poisonous viper came up out of the fire and latched onto Paul's arm. And everybody thought, man, this guy is cursed. He just got saved from shipwreck and now this viper that's deadly latched on him. But then they watched a little longer and Paul shook it off and it fell back into the fire and he wasn't harmed. And then they're like, oh my goodness, he's a God. Right? We're fickle. That's what they said. Read it. Acts 28. Said this man's a God. What happened? A deadly serpent. Didn't harm him. Why? He was a believer. He was a believer. Notice, now, sometimes we go like, how come, how come I'm not walking in some of these things? But I see people that I know who have not been baptized in Jesus' name who have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, and I see them doing some of these things. Well, because Jesus said these signs follow believers. Do I believe that you should be baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. That's another Bible study for another time. 
But he didn't say these signs will follow them that have been baptized in my name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He just said they'll follow those that believe. And so some people have entered into depths and dimensions of belief that we have not entered into. Now, I understand there's giftings and all that. We don't have time for all this today. So if you're sitting here trying to pick apart everything I'm saying, then come to me afterwards and we'll go into deeper Bible studies. But we must understand there are depths and dimensions of belief. And the Lord is trying to lead us because he's wanting us to walk in what he declared. So how can I help you understand this? Okay, these depths and dimensions of belief, understand this critical. They are not earned by performance. That's where we get in trouble. Well, let me see if I can earn these things. I'll do something and thereby I earn it. My performance will. Well, that's the deception of the adversary. Because, well, maybe if I do this, then God will. And then if I, that's different than action following faith. You understand that difference? One's like me trying to earn something. The other one is simply me obeying what I know to be true from the word of God. Okay? They're not earned by performance. But watch, watch. Here's what the Lord began to deal with me about. They are built. These depths and dimensions are entered into, and they're built through relationships. Can I give you an example? I'm going to give you a natural example for a spiritual principle. I have been married for a little over 30 years, 30 and a half years. I know I don't look like it, but it's true. My wife and I have been together. Thank God she stuck with me. 30 and a half years I've been married. If you would have asked my wife two weeks after our honeymoon, do you believe that you'll never have to worry for anything and that your husband will always keep you safe and secure and provide for you and your family and that he'll be a decent father and a decent husband throughout your marriage? If you'd have asked her that two weeks in, well, I think she would have probably said, well, yeah. But I promise you, if you ask her that today, her level of conviction and belief in that is different 30 and a half years later than it was two weeks into the deal. Does that make sense to everybody? Why was it different? Was it any less true then than it is now? Some of you are going, well, I don't know if you're a decent father or a decent husband. I don't know if you've done all those things. We'll just assume the best about me, okay? Let's just assume the best, okay? Because I haven't, I, I promise you, I've made more than my share of mistakes and missed the mark many, many times and all that I'm just talking about. But just assume the best, okay? What she believed at two weeks in and what she believes at 30 and a half years in, she may have said, yes, I believe both times. But two weeks in, she didn't have 30 and a half years of relationship and experience. Now, hold on a minute. Don't just tie this to time. This isn't just a time thing. Stay with me. Okay? She had relationship now. We got 30 and a half years of relationship. We've gone through times of lean and times of plenty. We've gone through me failing, falling short as a husband where I could have been better and me hopefully learning some along the way and trying to get better. And so her belief her dimension of belief and her depth of belief 
is different because of relationship and experience. You understand that in the natural. We want to believe, but we don't want any depth of relationship with God. I just want to believe and wave the magic wand in Jesus' name. And see him do it. I'm going to give you scripture. Mark chapter 9. Watch. I'm going to show you. There are dimensions and they're built through relationship and experience. That doesn't mean it has to take 20 years. It's a condition of your heart. A condition of mine. We already quoted it in Hebrews. They come to God must first believe that he is and... Not enough to believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. Anybody believe God's a rewarder? But notice what it said. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We'd like to say, I believe that God is and he's a rewarder. And we like to leave off the diligently seek him. Because that involves me getting engaged in the process. When's the last time you spent diligently seeking him? How often do you diligently seek him? The psalmist said, they that seek the Lord, through the psalmist said, they that seek me early shall find me. Do you seek until you find or you just seek until you pacified your conscience and you can get up and go about your day? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What am I seeking? I'm not seeking his hand. I'm seeking relationship. I'm seeking relationship. So there's depths of relationship. Mark 9, verse 17. I hasten. Watch. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought to you my son, which hath a dumb spirit. He can't talk. Verse 18. And wherever my son, wherever I take my son, the spirit tears him and he foams and he gnashes with his teeth. He pines away. And I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out, cast out this unclean spirit out of my boy. And they could not. You ever fear doing something in faith and nothing happening? You know what? Do it anyway. Well, what if nothing happens? Well, then go back to the one that you're trusting to do it through you. Work on hearing from him and just keep on. There was a statement made this last week that I thought was so beautiful. He said, I'd rather pray for 100 people and only have one get healed than be afraid to pray for anybody and pray for nobody and nobody ever get healed. And you can't be reckless. We're going to see this from Scripture here. But I'm talking about depths and dimension of belief. Okay? What verse am I on? I'm so thankful for screens. Okay. And your disciples couldn't do it. I brought the disciples. They couldn't do it. Verse 19. See, so don't beat yourself up. Just seek to understand and keep pressing forward in faith. Don't discount the scripture. Go, well, that's just not for me. That's what a lot of people have done. Well, that's just not for me. That was just, no, no, no. It's for us. It's for us. Jesus answered them and said, notice what he said. Oh, faithless generation. Or, oh, unbelieving generation. So we see their inability was tied to their belief. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Verse 20. And they brought him to him. When he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. This is the boy. He fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. 
And Jesus asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? And he said, since he'd been a child, verse 22. And oftentimes it's thrown him in the fire and the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I believe that is the cry of our world right now. If you can do anything, church, have compassion on us and help us. You may not hear it, but I'm telling you when I go to prayer, that's what I hear. When I walk down through the city or drive through the city and I look sometimes, and I'll see someone's face, I'll see their pain, and I hear that cry right there, if you can do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. It's why I can't just continue going through life and saying, well, it's just not for me. The timing's not there. I believe, but I'm not sure why. I need answers. I want to walk in it. Squirrels crying out. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said that. If you can believe, all not some things, not a few things, not a little bit of things, only partial healing. No, it's not for you. All things. Now, I'm seeing some statements between Mark 15 and Mark 9 here. Jesus is pretty all-inclusive. These signs shall follow them that believe. All things are possible to him that believes. Verse 24. And straightway the father of the child. Notice his cry. We can learn from this. This is us. The first cry of the father was the world. The second cry of the father is us. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I pray that prayer. Next verse. When Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, said to him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more in him. That's all. That's all. And the spirit cried, rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead in so much that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he was come to the house, his disciples asked him. See, they had the issue that I had. His disciples asked him privately. Why couldn't we cast him out? And he said to them. This kind. Can come forth. By nothing but by prayer and fasting. I'm going to tell you something. I don't have time for the whole story. You're probably thankful for that. In my life and in ministry, the Lord has used me to cast out devils out of people. I don't go looking for that. I don't go chasing that down. My greatest concern is people being one to the Lord, seeing the gospel message of the death, burial, and the resurrection, 
being birthed into the kingdom, beginning to operate in spiritual things. But there has been times where the Lord has used me in ministry to cast out devils. Again, I won't bore you with the stories, but one situation we distinctly saw three different spirits come out of a young man. And it was almost like this for a minute. He was lifeless. We didn't think he was dead, but all the stuff that had been fighting and going on and carrying on from writhing around on the floor and all this stuff to where when those three spirits came out of him, he was just there. So then we just began to pray. We got him sat up and we began to pray. And it was, an, it was moments. God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He began speaking in other tongues as God's spirit gives him the utterance. It was just that quick after he was delivered. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you about that. I hadn't been praying and fasting the week before. I've been praying, but I hadn't spent time in fasting. But they came out. I witnessed it. My wife was there. There were other witnesses. They came out. God did that. I didn't do it. I was simply a vessel. But what I read here, Jesus said this kind. I believe his disciples had been praying. But apparently there are dimensions that come only by prayer and fasting. Now, here's where this is revelatory for me. When it says this kind, it's not talking. I know he's talking about the spirit. And so we've taken this verse. I've taken this verse at times and said, you know what? I need to do more prayer and fasting so that I can deal with these different dimensions of spiritual things, strongholds. That statement can have truth in it for sure. Because we understand there are dimensions of spiritual authority. I can give you a scripture for that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are all different dimensions of spiritual authority in the spirit world. And if we're wrestling against them, those are unclean spirit principalities. We, we see these things. These are all different dimensions. And the Lord may use us to have authority in principalities, but we're going to get into some things where there's spiritual wickedness in high places, and you're going to start dealing with some dominions and authorities that those kind can come forth by, but nothing but by prayer and fasting. So here's the question. This is the Lord dealing with me, and I'm, I'm hurrying. Do I pray and fast so that I can have authority over these spirits? No. Why do I pray and fast? I pray and fast so I have a deeper relationship with God. I pray and fast so I know him more. I pray and fast so my flesh dies out and I become more sensitive to the voice of God. I have a deeper relationship and deeper relationship takes me into deeper dimensions of belief. Pray to know him more. I dig in the word to know him more. Watch. I hurry to finish. Acts 3. We're not, we're not going to read it. Take your time. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 4. You know the story. I referenced it earlier. There's a man lame at the gate called Beautiful. Peter and John pass by. We don't have silver. We don't have gold. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I told you before, they passed him many times. I believe God always wanted to heal him. But Peter and John had a sensitivity on this day they didn't have before. And the man had an expectation. 
and they stopped. And they took him by the hand, lifted him up, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. He went dancing and leaping with them into the temple. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They entered into a depth and a dimension of belief they had not walked in before. And you know what's so telling about that? If you go to Acts chapter 4 where the story's continuing and they're explaining themselves and you look at Acts chapter 4 and 13, it says of the leaders looking at them who were questioning how they were able to do this, right? Acts 4 and 12, they declared, neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But verse 13, you see these religious leaders trying to understand what just happened. And here's what it says about Peter and John. They took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They spent time with Jesus. And from the depth of relationship, the depth of belief and the dimension of belief changed. We want to operate in this place and say, I'm a believer. Why ain't I seeing it? But I don't want to spend time in prayer deepening my relationship to know him more. I don't want to cut things out of my life and come to a deeper place of not earning, not performing, but entering into a deeper abiding relationship with him. And so that affects my belief. If I took some random person off the street and asked you to believe in something they were going to do, you'd be like, you're crazy. I don't even know them. Why would I believe that? But if you take somebody that you have relationship with and you've witnessed relationship through time and years and experiences, you're like, yeah, I believe that. Why do you believe? Why is your level and dimension of belief different? It's different because you've spent time building the relationship. Other things compete for belief. Other things compete for belief. But it's relationship that takes you and I into depths and dimension of belief that do these things. It's not a depth and a dimension for God. He's God. One thing's not harder for him than another. One thing's not more challenging to him than another. One, it's God can heal a hand, a headache, and God can heal cancer. It don't matter to God. One is not more difficult for God than the other. But if I ask you, I got two people here. One has cancer and one has a headache. Which would you like to pray for? You're like, you know, I think I'd start with the person with the headache. Because our level of belief, our dimension of belief, sometimes we tie. Now, you may not say that openly, but we have faith to believe for the headache more than we do for cancer. Because one seems so small and one seems so great. It's not small and great to God. The issue is my belief, the depth and dimension of my belief. These signs shall follow them. Believe. We keep looking for some magic formula, certain words to say, certain way to say it. Instead of just working on the relationship and getting the depth of belief and the dimension of belief that he operates through. I'm going to say this. Some will read multiple books, good books. I like to read. I enjoy reading. 
I just finished reading a few books on fasting at the beginning of this year. I, I enjoy reading. I learn. I glean from that. Some will read more books. They'll go on YouTube and find preachers preaching on a subject. I've done that before. Not too often. I'm careful about doing that. But they'll go. I just went to a conference. I'm not speaking against it. You understand? God uses these things. But if we're not careful, we'll give time to reading other books. We'll give time to trying to listen to another message. Listen to an but we won't go lock into a closet day after day after day in deep abiding relationships, diligently searching, searching, diligently seeking him, seeking to deepen their God. There's places to go in you that I have not gone and I will not be content until I go there. And I'm done looking for some preacher to give me a magic formula. I'm done reading a book, hoping that will answer my question. Again, we can get understanding from those things. You realize what I'm saying here, but there must come a place where you and I individually personally for ourselves, say I am getting into a closet and I'm going there just me and the word of God and I am getting with God until I get answers I want to know him like I've never known him because I believe there is a depth and a dimension of belief whereby I will lay hands on the sick and they recover and I'll tell you today whereby I'll pray the prayer of faith and cancer will go it's not hard for God. He's just bringing me to a place in belief. I finish Acts 19. Verse 11. I'm sure there's a lot more scripture. We're just scratching the surface today. But we must realize there is scriptural precedent for the understanding of depths and dimensions of belief. Acts 19 verse 11. And God, everybody say God. God wrought. That means he worked or did special miracles. That's pretty cool. Paul didn't just do miracles. He did special miracles. That sort of got my attention. I'm like, what's a special miracle? Right? Like, I mean, like any miracle, would that special? Like, what makes Paul's miracle special? Well, Special miracles. You know what the word special means? Not what you think it means. I don't know why they translate some of these words the way they do. The Greek word there for special literally means not a few, very many. That literally could read, and God did not a few, but very many miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 12. So that from his body, were brought to the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, I'm going to give you an example right here. I believe this verse. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe this happened. We have taken handkerchiefs or articles of clothing of people we knew that needed a miracle or needed something to happen in their life and relationship. We've taken their articles of clothing or handkerchiefs. We've anointed them with oil. We've prayed over them and sent them back to those people or given them back. to. And we've seen some things happen along the journey through that. We've taken that because we've read it here in the Word. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I had the depth of belief and dimension of belief that Paul had here when he did this. And so this is an example of what we've done. Well, you know what? Paul did that and it worked. I'm going to do that without the depth and dimension of belief and relationship and experience that Paul had. Let me just try to do what somebody else did to get the result they got 
without the relationship they had. Belief. Will I take handkerchiefs and anoint them and send them to people? Absolutely, I will. See, it can't just be a repeat this process. It's belief. Watch verse 13. So that's what people do. They're like, that's cool. So what happened? Certain of the Bagabond Jews, they were exorcists. They said, let's do what they did. And so they took it upon themselves to call over those people that had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's repeat what we've seen. We don't have the depth of dimension of relationship. But we can't deny what we saw. And so they said, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, verse 14. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. He did this little, what he'd seen Paul do. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? You know what that evil spirit just said? Paul and Jesus, they have been spending time in the things of the spirit. You haven't been spending time in the things of the spirit, so I don't even know who you are. Depth of relationship. Paul was a threat to evil spirits. The seven sons of Sceva were not a threat. Why? Did they say and declare the name of Jesus? Absolutely they did. But the result was dramatically different. Did the evil spirit come out of the man? Yes, they did. Verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. And overcame them and prevailed against them. Actually, we don't know that the evil spirit came out of them. I just read that differently. It doesn't say the evil spirit leapt on them. It says the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them. Just correct that right mid-stride. And overcame them and prevailed against them. So that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Keep reading. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed, uh -huh, they came. And they confessed. They showed their deeds. Watch. Many of them also which used curious arts. They brought their books together and burned them. Before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Please stand with me. You see what just happened?
the word of God grew when God manifested himself. Somebody tried to operate without a depth and dimension of belief. But then those that responded when the fear of the Lord came upon them. Notice the next thing they did. They begin to confess. What are they confessing? They're confessing their sins. They're confessing their unbelief. They're acknowledging their ways. And then the next thing was they were like, you know what? I'm going to clean house. They began to look at things that would feed their mind and their life. Curious arts, the Bible calls it. You can do it. That's a different study. Another time, go dig it. We just want to go, oh, they just had books of witchcraft. And that's they, I don't have any witchcraft books. You probably do and just don't know it. You'll watch a movie that has witchcraft in it and won't think anything about it. And yet you'll yet and let you and yet you'll let that in your home and in your eyes. You watch movies that have demonic spirits, evil and unclean spirits in it, and you go, "Oh, it's just a movie." No, it's not just a movie. That was created in the mind of somebody by something they entertained. And they had enough creativity. It wasn't their own creativity. They were influenced by spiritual things. That's how they dreamt up and wrote up and designed and drew up and wrote these. And we'll entertain ourselves with it and go, oh, no, it's fine. It's just a movie. It's not just a movie. You're opening yourself up to curious things. What did they do? They cleaned their house out. They didn't just go, well, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to give it to somebody else. No, they burnt it. Like, I don't want to give it, I don't want to add, you know, it's like saying, oh, I learned this is poison. I better get it out of my house. Maybe I'll go take it to Goodwill so somebody else can buy it. Oh, I know that's rough for you. You know why it's rough for you? Because you know you paid money for some of that junk. You want to get a little bit of money back. You know what? When the fear of the Lord came on them, they weren't concerned. The price of the stuff they burnt was 50,000 pieces of silver. They had invested some money in junk, and they got the revelation. Hold on. This is contrary to the Spirit of God. This brought the fear of the Lord on them. I got to get this stuff out of my life. I'm not putting it in somebody else's life. I'm not trying to make a dollar back just because I wasted my money. I'm burning this stuff. There's a revelation here for some of us. I tell you, this will affect your depth and dimension of belief. I believe, I know this morning, I am in a room that is filled with believers. The Holy Ghost is beckoning you and I, saying, I'd like to take you to new depths and new dimensions of belief, but you'll not go there without consecration and relationship. Would you talk to the Lord with me this morning before we go, please? In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Prayer and fasting. Time in the word. The cutting away of all those things that have no value to the spiritual man. The cutting away of those things beyond that which is necessary in daily life. To eliminate anything that would hinder my depth and dimension of belief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, talk to him. He wants every single one of us. These signs shall follow them that believe. This is the design, the destiny, and the desire of God for every single life in this room. Come on, talk to him. You know why some of you, as you're praying, I'm going to tell you this. 
I don't mean this hurtful. I mean this for understanding. The reason some people, when they face a crisis, will say, why don't you call elder and ask him to pray? You know what you're expressing? You're saying, I have a confidence in their relationship with God, but I don't have a confidence in my depth of relationship to pray. It's what happens. Get them to pray. I know they pray. What we're really saying is, I know they have a depth of relationship, but I haven't invested to have a depth of relationship. Understand, this is not a condemnation. It's the conviction of the Holy Ghost saying, your prayer is just as powerful. You just got to begin to invest the time and the effort in a closet and get there and build the relationship. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll speak to unclean spirits and they'll leave. You'll take authority and you'll walk in it. There are depths and dimensions of belief. He's wanting you to walk in and operate in and move in and flow in. But you can't get there with a now I lay me down to sleep before I go to bed. It's going to take a closet of prayer. It's going to take a setting aside of the plate. It's going to take a cleaning out of the bookshelf and the video shelf if you got that. It's going to take a cleaning out and a purging of some things and saying, I want depth of relationship with God. For some of you, it's even going to take a removing of certain friendships and relationships from your life because those individuals feed contrary to the will of God. You say, but God loves them. Yes, He loves them. He died for them. But their influence in your life is contrary to His will for you. And you know it. And you know it. And you say, but I love them. And God knows that too. There are people I love with so much of my heart and life. But I know I can't spend time with them. I can't hang around. I can't go where they go. I can't go do what they do because it, it will destroy my life spiritually. And so I have to make hard decisions. Hey, man, I'll meet you for a cup of coffee. But that's, you know, no, I'm not going to go do that with you. No, I'm not going to hang. No, I can't do that. No. Uh -uh. You say, man, that's harsh. No, 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 no. We're talking about your soul and eternity. We're talking about God using you and doing things in your life. And so you begin to recognize, hold on a minute. I want a depth of relationship with the one relationship that matters above every other relationship in my life. If you came to me and said, I'd like to have a relationship with you, but to do so, it's going to mean you've got to begin to give up some of your relationship with your wife. I'd be like, you are a fool and you're crazy. There ain't no chance. She is my wife. And outside of the Lord, she has more priority in my life than any other relationship in this world. I will not allow some relationship to come into being that would adversely affect that relationship and begin to hinder it. And you understand that and you would agree with that. But yet you or I would allow relationships into our life that hinder and hurt and harm and take away from the relationship with God. And you'll continue to entertain them. You'll continue to spend time. I'm not talking about having somebody that needs the Lord to your home for a Bible study. You're having influence there. But you also know when the influence shifts and you're no longer having influence for the kingdom with them. And they're influencing your life and making you make choices you would not make were they not there. And so you have to make a choice. 
I really feel the Holy Ghost reach into somebody. Some of you here, you're going, man, how does he know? I don't know anything, but I know what the Lord is saying to you. It's the love of God reaching to you today. It is the love of God inviting you to operate in his word as you've heard. But there's depths and dimensions you'll only go to through relationship. Please talk to him one more time.